Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Amen. So we're into the second week of Acts. And I know that if you've been coming here a while, you'd be like, man, how long is Paul going to preach in Acts 2, 3, and 4? I'm going to hear this again. There's just so many fun ways to do it. So we're just going to keep on talking about it. A pastor told me one time that a congregate came up to him and said, Pastor, how long is it? are you going to preach on this one message? And the pastor looked at the person and said, until we start doing it. <laughs> that's, a, that's not y'all. That was a different congregation. But I just thought I would share that because I do preach out of Acts a lot. But I thought it would be really cool for us to be encouraged by his word in Acts 2 this morning. And um, so as we're talking about the book of Acts, it talks about, ultimately, we're going to be talking about community. And what is community? Because if you say community, that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But God specifically talks about what community looks like. And we will get to that. So I just want to kind of give you a... Um, since we're going to be going through 11 weeks of Acts, I want to fill in some of the blanks of what was happening in the second chapter of Acts. So just here's a brief kind of thing that's going on. So the believers were meeting together in one place. That, we know that's what happened. Jesus said, hey, go and stay together and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes and, every, and everyone present was filled with that Spirit. They were meeting, they were praying they were staying in one place, and the Spirit came over them. When the Spirit came over them, lives were changed. Lives were changed so radically in an instant that the outside world took notice. That's pretty cool, huh? But when that happened, about half of the outside world was saying that they were drunk, and about the other part of the outside world that was viewing and seeing this was intrigued and wanted to know more. So this gave Peter an opportunity for a teaching moment. He takes them back to the Old Testament. And, and, and as we're laying this out, it's really important for us to understand that, that Peter goes back and he talks about what was prophesied and what is happening now 350 to 400 years later. So he goes back to the book of Joel. And let's read this in Joel 2, 28 through 32. This is actually what he says to them, but I wanted to take you actually back to the Joel, to the scripture in the Old Testament. So if you'll bring that up, it says, Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men, and women alike. And I will cause wonders, wonders, not wonders, but wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord, the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape. Just as the Lord has said, these will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. If you're sitting in here today and you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have confessed 
that you are a sinner and you can't make it without him and you have asked him into your heart and you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that scripture is talking about you. So find peace in knowing that, that, that God has called you and he has secured your eternity through him. So when this happens, Peter's teaching by the Holy Spirit brought forth repentance and heart change. Could you imagine a day, you look around here, there's maybe 25, 30 people. But at the moment that the Spirit comes on, there's about 120 people. 120 people unified together, seeking no other agendas other than serving God and just being obedient. And at the end of that day, there was 3,120 of them. (laughs) Now that's revival. 120 people woke up that morning, ate something for breakfast, milled around, fixed their hair up. All of them put their clothes on, did their daily duties, but they had one goal in mind, and that was to glorify God, and that was to come together and to seek him. And when the Holy Spirit showed up, because of what was going on there in that 120 people, by the end of that afternoon, there was 3,120 people. Repentance and heart change. That's what happened that day. And I wanted to speak just briefly on that. Repentance is is a decision to, to change a direction in one's life. To repent means to turn away from the world and to put your eyes back on God. That is to, to turn from the world to put your eyes back on God. That's a choice. You get to make a choice to repent or not repent. This is a mental decision. You can leave here today and you can decide to go right or left. God speaks to you and gives you the ability to know that the way you're going in life is not healthy and you can decide to continue to walk down that path or you can turn and walk towards him. But then we go to heart change. The heart change brings forth life change. So through scriptures, through the the book of Acts, I wanted to talk about what what happens when the repentance and the heart came together. And that's where we go down to Acts 2, 42 through 47. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with me or you want to follow on the screen, you can open up to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And we're going to read this and we're going to break it down. And I know that God is going to speak through this for us today. He has preached to me all week in this message. And I know that he has a word for you today. Acts 2, 42 through 47. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
Let's just jump right into that. Verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is the foundation of a walk with Jesus Christ. So you're like, hey, Paul, where do I start off once, once um, Jesus comes into my heart and I know that I'm living for him? I know that I'm born again. If, how do I know if someone really has received the spirit of God and lives in them? If the spirit lives in you, here are some of the things that's going to start to appear in your life. What are they? Being devoted to the apostles' teaching. That means that this word right here will become dear to you. You will learn that this word is your roadmap to life. It's what keeps you from making wrong turns. It's what keeps you out of destruction, that you're being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Secondly is fellowship. People that are filled with the spirit that the spirit of God is in, they want to do life together. Fellowship was so important to God. Why do you know that? Because in the book of Genesis, when we broke fellowship with God through our sin, that he put forth a plan to bring us back into fellowship with him. And if it's so important to him that he would give his son Jesus to die for us so that we may have fellowship with him again, I imagine it's really important for him, to him, that we learn how to have fellowship with one another. So fellowship is something that you see. These are the, the foundations of a walk with Jesus. Sharing meals. They would share meals with one another. Not only the Lord's Supper and the communion, but they lived life together every day. It was so exciting for them to share meals with one another and to prayer. They were constantly speaking to the Father on what his will was for their lives and interceding in prayers for the ones that were around them. They were praying. But you know, as a result of all of these four actions that happened, that the people saw God's hand move. See, when our hearts begin to be transformed, it gives us a different perspective on the things around us. When God does heart surgery on us, all of a sudden things start looking different around us the person that once got on your nerves you end up having compassion for because they're hurting and you learn to be a servant by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd say if I could be lower then the person around me could be higher because that's what Jesus taught as he washed the feet of the disciples amen but it begins in our heart. It begins in our heart. Verse 43, and it says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. A deep sense of awe. Sometimes if you're in the South and you start trying to figure out what a deep sense of awe is, is we could have all kinds of definitions for that. But I would imagine in, in, in my life, in my little country hick life, it was where we was like, woo, your mouth would drop open. You're like, ah, and it was something fun, Barbara. It's like, woo, watch this kind of stuff, you know, like, ain't going to go back there. But it's like, hey, this is something big, a deep sense of awe. It means something that you're not going to see today at the Super Bowl. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than the Super Bowl halftime show. It's bigger than the commercials. It's bigger than anything that we can fathom 
that would come from this earth or this world. A deep sense of awe when God's hands moving is something you said, there is not any way that man could do that. That had to be God. And when 3,000 people became believers that day and there was just 120 when they woke up that morning, that was a pretty big sense of awe, amen? They wondered, like, wow, this God is moving. See, as the Spirit moved, the atmosphere around the people changed. It wasn't a box to check. It wasn't a place to come. It wasn't a duty that you had to do. It was a, it was a unique, beautiful opportunity to be in the presence of God. Because when God's hands moves, it changes the things around you. There's no more hard days at work. Yes, there's going to always be difficult people. They're going to always challenge you. My friend Jim says, he said, church is easy until you put people in it, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah, that's pretty, that's an understatement. But we're people. We're always going to do crazy things. We're going to challenge each other. But when the Spirit of God is moving, it changes the atmosphere, which lets us love one another in our shortcomings. And you know what's funny? When we change our surroundings, It'll change us. If you're really struggling with the way your life is going, if you're really getting caught up in pity parties, I would be willing to bet that God wants you to change something. To seek him. To change your surroundings. Who are you hanging out with? What books are you reading? How are you praying? How are you meditating? Verse 44, it says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They met together in one place. That's when we come together in this building. We're coming together in one place. Why do we do that? So that we can remind each other. Here's a list of things that I want to share with you. When we come together in one place as the believers, as the saints, we share the same Lord Jesus. None of us have a different Lord. Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There is one God, but we share the same Lord Jesus. We share the same God for life, the Holy Spirit. We share the same love for God. Even if it doesn't look like it sometimes outwardly, that if you have the Spirit of God in you, you still share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship Him. We share the same struggles. We share the same victories. Because there'll be some days when we feel like we're on top of the mountain, mountain, but then there'll be some days when we feel like we're in the valley. But we share them together because that's what community does. There'll always, if you bring this crowd together, there'll always be somebody in this circle who's struggling more and there'll be always be somebody in this circle who's like, man, they just got it all together. And we can't get too caught up in looking at where we're all struggling or where we're all in victory. That we know that Jesus is on the cross and he, because he came to the cross is that we are all in it together, at the table together. Whether you are rich or whether you are broke, whether anything else is going on in your life that you have one thing in common and that is that you were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that makes you all brothers and sisters. You don't have to like each other, but it don't change the fact that you're brothers and sisters. That doesn't change. You were bought by God with the blood of his son Jesus and you were adopted into a family and you don't always got to like your brother, but that's still your brother. 
And we share the same joy of communicating the gospel because that is a product of the spirit living in you that when something in you is so great that you can't help but share it with other people. See, we share the same love of Christ with one another. And that leads us what to happen, what happens next. So let's look at verse 45. What does happen next, Paul? Well, I'm glad you asked. They sold their property. Everybody ready to do that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. God, why did you take your word to there? Not because God needed your money, but because God knew that that was the one thing that would trip up so many people. We'll see that as we go on into Acts a little bit more. Amen. With Ananias. Remember, those in need are the men, women, and children described in verse 42. See, because this is where the church makes the mistakes. We take everything we got and we take it out and we give it to someone who wants to trample on the gospel. Who has no desire to follow Jesus. Do you know that every time that men started following Jesus in the, in the gospels, Jesus did something before they did that. He approached them, he looked at them, and he said, follow me. So the ones that followed him got to understand who he was and benefited from that. I want us as a church to understand that we're to love everyone but you're going to be frustrated if you take all of your resources and everything you have and your time and your energy and your money and you pour it onto someone who is not willing or wanting to follow Jesus. It might make some of you say, well, Paul, how are they to see Jesus if we're not to be that? Jesus said no more than he said yes. So... What did it say in verse 42? We're going to recap that. Devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the sharing meals with one another, and to prayer. Those four things are a great indicator on who you might want to pour your time into to grow and build the church that God has for us. Will everybody always get those things right? Absolutely not. It's a process. I'm still a hot mess some days. I still mess these things up. But here's the deal, that the spirit living inside of me always turns me around to try to pursue that. That's different than the person who just wants something and doesn't want to work for it or to be involved in anything other than their life. That's not what God teaches in his word. See, a functional family is where everyone brings something to the table to grow the church. And that's what was happening here is this community was being formed. A dysfunctional family relies on a few people to bring for the masses. That's dysfunction. Well, you do it. I'll just sit back and wait on you to do it. Well, you do it. You go do that. That's not how God's family and his body is designed to work. Everyone in here that has confessed that they, Jesus is their Lord has a special gift and an opportunity to serve God uniquely in how he has made you. And when we come together and we make one family, it lets God get all of the glory and not one single man nor woman get any of the glory. That's a family. That's a community. And that's what they're talking about here in Acts 2. See, God's desire is for us to be a functional family. Grounded in love for him and for one another. Grounded in love from him 
agape-type love. It's the type of love where you don't have to get anything in return for loving someone. You just love them because God first loved you. And you love him and you love one another. Do you know what happens when that happens in a group of people, a small group of people like this? It becomes so attractional that you don't have to build a deck on the front of the building to get people to come in here. That kind of love will seep out all into the communities where you live, work, and play. That kind of love will say, man, are you going? Can you, can you, hey, what can I do? I want to be a part of that. That kind of love is, is just magnifies like a light and it'll draw people to it like bugs to a light. So this resulted in what? Verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple. What's that next word, couple words say? Each day. Me and old Carton was having an argument of, about the building in the church of the, of the week. And I was reading this. I thought about Carton. I'm like, nah, they didn't come on Sundays or Thursdays. Man, them mugs went every day to a temple. <laughs> Man, they were excited. They were like, we're going back to that temple. We get to praise our God again. See, they were still understanding that that's where they'd been their entire life. And that's what... So they would go to the temple. They would hang out in the colonnade. They'd be outside, but they were there and they were talking about this newfound Messiah, Jesus. They went there every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Sounds like life groups, doesn't it? Sounds like we're coming together and we're like, oh my goodness, we get to hang out together here and we're gonna share what we have. Every time I go to Diane's house, she always says, Paul, there's coffee in there and there's some snacks on the bar. I never asked her to do it one time. But that's what people who are filled with the Spirit do. They want to make sure that they're serving someone. Hey, whatever I have, you can have too. It's a beautiful picture of the family, of the community. God had totally consumed the lives of the believers of the church. God's spirit had totally consumed these 120 men and women that turned into 3,120 men and women and children so that they were radically, radically. I'm not talking about, hey, I, I'm gonna put a little bit of Jesus in my grits. I'm talking about radically changed. That if God, you tell me to go to the ends of the earth, that's where I'll be. God, if you tell me to do this, that's where I'll be. And I'm quite honestly, we'll jump up and like, yeah, that's me. And again, a conversation I had with someone yesterday is like, man, we talk about everything that we'll do, but if somebody comes up us in, on the side of us in traffic and they try to get around us, we will cut them off. I'd give you my heart, I'd give you my kidney, I'd give you my liver, but I sure ain't gonna give you my spot in line at Walmart. That's funny, ain't it? <laughs> That's me sometimes, brothers and sisters. I can get selfish. I can get all about me. I'm like, my day's important. Don't you know I gotta be somewhere? I went into Walmart the other night. I'm still getting over. Oh, it was about 9.30 or 10. Oh. God totally totally consumed these men and women and children with the Holy Spirit. And this resulted in a radical transformation. It wasn't a drop a little bit of money in the plate. It wasn't, hey, I'll read my devotion a couple times a week. There was something that changed. 
And this resulted in wanting to worship God together. The pastors of the North American church didn't have to beg their congregation to come and worship. They better wait. In that place, these apostles said, we better be ready because they're coming. You ain't got to make it look good. You ain't got to serve coffee. You ain't got to have comfortable seats. I'm telling you, rain, shine, whether we got a ceiling, whether we got anything, they are coming because they have been radically changed by the gospel. They're coming. They're coming. They wanted to worship together. They wanted to worship the one true God together. And this resulted into great joy and generosity. You know, great joy and generosity is an indicator of heart change. But here's something that God was teaching me and speaking to me through writing this message. Is that you can have great joy and you can have great generosity. And you can do each one of these individually without God. I can have great joy and God not be in it. I can have great generosity and God not be in it. But I promise you, it is impossible to have great joy and generosity for a long period of time without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unites generosity and joy together so that when you do give generously, it brings forth joy. And that when you have joy, it makes you want to be generous. The two individually can be done without God, but they will not be done together apart from God. He lets us have great joy and generosity. God's love prompts that in us. And if we're sitting here today and we're struggling with that, don't beat yourself up. Just lay in the arms of Jesus. Grow deeper in love with him. Spend more time meditating on him through his word, through prayer, through meditation, through the prayer. Just because you might be somewhere today, God gives you grace. He gives you the opportunity to step over that line and to do it again tomorrow. And this time you'll be a little bit more like him and a little less like who the old person was. It's sanctification, amen. So that leads us to verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we have people who praise God. People who are finding enjoyment in other successes. I don't know. Does it make you excited when the person, your neighbor, or the ones around you find greater success than you or your coworker gets the advancement and you didn't? Does that bring you great joy? When we as a church understand that we're here to bring God glory as we serve people and not ourselves, I think we'll see Things happen like going from 120 to 3,120 in the city of Rock Hill in a day. People who praise God, people who are finding enjoyment in other success in God's church growing, people being saved. Why is that so important to us as believers? It's because every day we will walk past someone who will spend eternity in hell. And guess what? 
Every one of us was that person at one time in our life. We were damned to hell. We were going straight to hell. We had no way out other than the hope of Jesus Christ. And God saves, but he uses us as his vessels. It's not our job to save people, but it is truly our commandment. He commands us to go out and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to follow my ways. That is the church's responsibility. And it has to be prompted out of love, not out of work. So to summarize, we by the grace of God have been transformed by the Holy Spirit coming and living in us. This happened when we repented and believed. This transformation looks so different that it gets the attention of the people outside the community of the church. If this church was to disappear tomorrow, would this community, would this city miss it? This will give us the opportunity to share this gift of hope with people all around us. Finally, some of the people we share hope with, the gospel, will receive this message that God is offering and be totally transformed as well. Then the church will grow. This model will transform lives. This model will transform your home. This model will transform your community. As we become a community, we can see communities transformed by the gospel. But I think we got to spend this year understanding who we are at the Dream Center Church as a community. I was talking with a pastor this past week. And I said, I've been doing this for a dozen or so years. And I see people who are totally physically and financially and mentally broken come to someone who by the outside eye looks like they have it all together. And I think both of them love God and I think both of them want to serve God. But it's like herding cats when you try to get them all to sit down at one table and eat. And we, we love it at the Dream Center Church where we do worship one another from all different places in life. But I know Jesus taught a message that said that everyone has a place at the table. And not one of us is better than the other. All of us are like wretched, messed up rags without Jesus. And that because of what Jesus did, we are a community. Whether you like it or not, if this is your church home, if this is where you're calling your, your church, you have a responsibility to grow the vision and the mission of this church. If you are not interested in doing that, I would please ask you to go find a church that you will do that and I will help you because God's mission and vision for the big C church is way more important than what he's doing here that's the ultimate growth and we want to find every place for every man and woman and child to find their fit but if this is your church I want to celebrate with you I want to rejoice with you I want to sit at the table with you and I want to learn how to serve our God together with you. We have a broken, messed up community. And I know our vision is a little bit weird that it pulls us into all these other different churches. 
this evening, Barbara don't even know it, but they're wanting me to be at the well church because they got 20 or 30 kids out of the inner city that's going to be watching the Super Bowl together and the AME Zion church and the well church and the Dream Center church have been praying about it. They're like, Paul, can you be there? And I'm like, no. I'm going to spend time with my wife this evening. I'm going to go hang out with somebody in my church this evening because y'all got this. I'm not God. I don't have to be there for these kids to see that. But that's great that God's moving there. But if it's not careful, we'll be all over the place and we'll never embrace the vision and the mission that God's given us as an individual church. And we've got we've to understand why we totally want all the churches to grow, but we totally understand that this is the one that we're called to. And here's how we're going to do it. So here's what I have to ask you guys to do. Life groups, first and third Thursdays. And if, if there's second shift people in here, come to me. We will find a place for you to do community with one another. We have groups going on all over the place. But it's specifically first and third Thursdays. This coming Thursday is our third Thursday. And here is my ask to each and every person is that we feel like as a group, as elders, that fellowshipping together brings forth life change. But here's what was put on my heart this morning to ask the group, the church. If you decide you want to be here this coming Thursday, if you can, if work permits, and you can get off in time, will you bring enough food for you to eat and maybe to share with one or two other people? If there's two of you in your family, maybe bring enough for three or four people. Don't bring a whole bunch of stuff. Now, you overachievers are going to bring in all the plates of food. I'm, like Barbara and I are bringing chicken salad. Barbara, I'm not giving everybody else your idea, so calm down. I didn't say that one time. She said, that's our idea. <laughs> we're going to go get some chicken salad and some, and some Captain's wafers, and we're going to bring enough for three or four or five people to eat chicken salad and Captain's wafers. And what we're going to do, we're going to have some tables. Carlton has some tables set up here. And you can bring that food in here and you can set it down. We'll have water and coffee. And if you can't or don't have the means to bring anything right now, please still come. Because there's seasons in our life where we just can't bring anything. But you're just as important to God as the person who can. And after we do that, we're going to eat together from 630 to about 715. We're going to be as lap food. It ain't going to be no bunch of tables. So whatever you bring, get ready to take it back home. We will have something to serve it with, and we will have water and coffee and plates. But take your stuff back home so that we do not have a mess to clean up. After we eat and we sit in our laps, we're going to put these chairs in a circle. Whether it's six of us or 60 of us, we will get in a circle, and we will look at each other as a family. And we will pray for one another. And we will ask God to melt our hearts together because we cannot do this without community. We have to understand that the Dream Center Church, you look around, and if this is where you come every week, these are the people, the brothers and sisters in your life that comes first priority to you. You should hurt for them. And if you don't hurt for them, pray and ask God if this is the right place for you. And, and if he moves you, go find the family that you will hurt for, that you will dream about and think about. 
Barbara and I, this is the family we cry about every week. This is the ones that I talk to her about 30 hours a week and, and just getting on her nerves. Like She's like, can we ever just stop talking? I'm like, I just love our body. She loves our body too, but I get excited. I want our family to grow this year. I want us to come together. Give it a chance. Come for a month, and if, if you're saying, man, this just don't feel like the family for me, I promise you with all my heart I'll sit down and help you find a family that you belong to. I know a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, and I will specifically walk with you and introduce you to the people in those churches. But you got to find a place that you can do community with. It's too vital in today's time to be out there like a lone sheep trying to get through this world. It's too hard. Out of that, we'll be able to love all the other churches and all the other people, but we got to take care of business at home first. Amen? You agree? So Thursday at 6.30, I will tell you this, we've been setting that thing down for an hour, but with this new format, it might go to 7.45. But 6.30 to to 7.15, we'll hang out and we'll laugh together, get in a circle and talk to each other. Then we're going we're gonna to take and we're going to worship a song together. Then we're going to have one of our elders to do, do a five to six to seven minute devotion. And then we're going to worship a song together. And then we're going to turn the lights on and we're going to laugh and, and, and we're going to go home. And we're going to take the gospel to our neighbors. Okay? I love you guys. Barbara loves y'all. This is our family. And I'll fight for you. I will. I just love God and it's, it's put inside of me a way to just love others. And I know I'm hard to get along with sometimes. And I get on people's nerves sometimes. But you, if this is your church, this is who you got, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love you. Let's pray together. Father God, we just want to say thank you for loving us first. Oh, Lord God. All the homes around this piece of property that don't have a family. All the homes around the city of Rock Hill, the county of York, Chester, Lancaster, this nation, Lord God, that don't have a family. Lord God, will you teach us how to be a community that people want to come be a part of? A community that shepherds children and loves moms and dads and shepherds our finances and all the different things that go along with walking a walk with you. Lord God, will you let us be a, the community that draws people that are lost and in the dark to you? And Father God, we know we can't do this without you. If you don't come and prompt us and help us, Lord, We'll just be stuck here. So, Father God, come, please, and grow us into the community that you've called us to be. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.